Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this good, new week. Good morning, Dr. Paul. It is, yeah. Yeah. Are we ready? All, all set to go. I guess we have to bail out Trump again. He's always getting into trouble. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness we are his cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. But when he does things good, we do, may We yeah. are his cheerleader. Sometimes he's But there are some days I have a struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, neither candidate is very libertarian, but uh, there are differences. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And, and right now, uh, I guess the thing that fascinates everybody, including me, is the uh, nature of the campaign. Uh, all the old rules and assumptions are gone. Who would have ever thought that the first thing that Trump ever did, the first time he was on the stage, was condemn John McCain, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was great. the hero. I that mean, he went great. after everybody, and that's a strategy. That was not just uh, him uh, fl flipping off. That's yeah. a strategy that he uses. And um, it wasn't, I still don't think it's, uh, I, I mean, it's something that I couldn't participate in, but, uh, <laughs> but it hasn't hurt him that much. No. Matter of fact, uh, there's so much misunderstanding and so much frustration from Trump's enemies because they have so much on him. They yeah. have the whole Justice Department, the FBI, and a lot of money behind them, and they're going to do them. And they have George Soros's organization behind them. Yeah. Everybody George Soros put into prison or into office. Yeah. Maybe that's like prison. You know, it gives him trouble. But right now, you know, what? He's being tried today is I think it's a civil case. Yeah. Nine, but there's 95 cases against him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he stands up to that. So he has a different personality. But I guess the biggest thing that just befuddles everybody is that you know even the people who say well it doesn't seem to hurt him. He comes over off on time. But I think most everybody sort of has a suspicion that maybe he will be over the top. And the yeah. Democrats still believe it. Yeah. And, uh, but because the Democrats, his opposition, will not entertain the thought that anybody could like Donald Trump and support yeah. him. And yet the truth is, the vote out there, if they want to look at democracy, democracy is speaking through some of these polls, uh, you know, more than anything else. And they're saying that, uh, you know, we need, to, we need a tough guy yeah, you know, and and uh, he he's fulfilling that part, uh, that uh, function, and uh, yet he's there he is testifying again. But uh, you know, uh, the the one thing that's going on in the trial is whether he committed a vicious crime by overstating the value of his property. Yeah, yeah. You know, overstating the property. <laughs> I've I've dabbled in pro in real estate a little bit, yeah. and I'll have a piece of property, and I'll go to a real estate agent. I say, "What's my property worth?" Oh. <laughs> and you know what their answer is consistently in a right answer. I don't know. It will be. You'll find out what it's worth when you sell it. Exactly. Then, and you, you don't do it. Yes, it's what you can get for it. And yet now, every they're gonna. They want to put him away in jail forever. You know, because he and his son said the property was worth more than more than other. But setting a, a goal, a goal like that, is a subjective thing. You, yeah. You can't know it. Prices are. Uh, you know, even in spite of all the regulations, even if the even if you were buying and selling something, the government totally controls 
holes, you'd have a black market or something. Yeah. Now you can't control these prices. So this is a, this is a fraud if there ever was one, but it's still amazing. And the Democrats haven't recognized the fact that uh, the people are way ahead of them and uh, they can smell a lie yeah. when they hear it constantly. And, and that's what they're, they're hearing and they're disgusted with it. So what happened? All this stuff that we got them backfires on them, yeah. which is inter entertainment it's for a lot of people. It is. But, but I'm, I'm amazed he holds up against it all. Yeah. I was, in fact, I was in HEB yesterday getting some stuff with my son, and there was a guy in front of us in line. He was a huge guy. He's not a guy that I would want to mess with. <laughs> huge guy, tattoos everywhere, and he had this shirt, Sons of Trump with a Trump picture on it. <laughs> and my son said, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, here's this guy from New York, he's a lifelong Democrat, he's not a conservative, yet still people like this gentleman just love him and adore him. And I said, you know, he's just, he knows how to talk to people in their own language, you know? You know, and I think, I think they're hearing the truth, not so much that everything he says is truthful, but it's truth. It's the truth that he believes. He's not making it up. Yeah. That he believes this stuff. So when they try to say, "Yeah, well, maybe he didn't really commit insurrection, but it was in his mind to commit <laughs> <laughs> commit insurrection," it goes on and on. So, uh, so I, I think in the midst of all this shenanigans and all the manipulation from his opposition, and even his flip-flopping on some of the issues too, I think he. I think it believes it. Matter of fact, I'm at a position, I don't say the election was stolen and this sort of thing, but I say, I don't, not, if, if I had to prove or do I sincerely believe that all the votes were counted? Yeah. I don't believe that because I've had an experience all the way back in the 1990s and they stole blind, yeah. blind when I had one of my first races and they couldn't stand the thought of a Republican winning in yeah. Texas. <laughs> so, no, it happens all the time and... Uh, you know, LBJ made us all the way to the presidency That's by right. a big, bold lie. Yeah. So this is uh, th th this is time. But, but th th I think that's where they made the mistake. He stole the election, and they don't. The Republicans never answered that. Uh, they just said, "Well, I don't know." They use words that yeah. doesn't smell. No, no. We just want you to count the votes. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's put this first clip up now. It's written about everywhere, but I just picked one from the Epic Times. Trump to testify in New York civil fraud trial. This is what you were talking about, Dr. Paul. He's going to testify today, and it is this goofy case, and I haven't spent a lot of time reading about it. It doesn't seem that important, um, the, the details of it, other than what you pointed out, which is this whole idea that it's fraud to estimate the value of your property is higher than it is. Well, you know, if it's if it's used as collateral for loans, then it seems like the loan company should do the due diligence and say, <laughs> come on, you know, that's not true. So anyway, but it is to create the image that he's constantly in trouble. Like you say, 90-some cases against him, 8 million years in prison. And I think a lot of it has to do with this very simple thing. And this happened over the weekend, Dr. Paul, if you can put the next one up. Uh, and this is from Zero Hedge, but it's a New York Times article. Democrats rattled after New York Times poll shows Trump beating Biden in majority of swing states. Five out of six battleground states. And if you go to the next one, this is the uh, graph from the New York Times, if, I, if we can get it a little bit bigger here, because it is quite dramatic. Uh, this, Dr. Paul, was not supposed to happen. All of this lawfare against him was supposed to have people just despising him, but look at him. Nevada, he's up 
10 points <laughs> against Biden. Michigan, he's up five points in Michigan. Uh, Georgia, he's up six. Pennsylvania, up four. Arizona, up five. Now, the uh, Biden is up by two in Wisconsin, but that's pretty close. That's margin of, margin of error, probably. So you're talking about a place like Michigan, uh, and we'll talk about a little bit later some of the Middle East stuff, but he's, Biden is losing a huge chunk of voters, uh, the Arab Americans and Muslim Americans, which are very heavily represented in Michigan. They're furious with the way he's handling this Middle East Gaza stuff. And here you go. I mean, here you have it in the swing states that uh, the Trump is just wiping the floor with him. Well, the other thing that Trump does that uh, I sort of enjoy, and that is the fact that uh, they, they want it so that his, all his enemies, which involves all the media and everything that's going on, they can say anything they want. They, they can lie through their tooth. But if he says something, uh, they say, we have to silence him. <laughs> Gag we, order. He, can't, he can't possibly be a candidate. We have to make sure he can't be on the vote. All they know is, you know, even, even the decent Democrats finally go cringing. That's why his numbers are changing. Yeah. The Democrats are shifting. Independents are shifting. But uh, he, he, he goes after his enemy, just like I was mocking the fact that first thing he did was attack John McCain. Uh, and, uh, but uh, he, he goes after his, this one judge, Arthur Ingeron, whom controlled tyrannical and unhinged. Well, he probably, I think that's not extreme. That's yeah. just sort of the way he sees it. And, and I, when I look at some of the things that the media or the uh, judicial system is yeah. doing, and what the FBI has done and yeah. how much harm they have done. You know, I lost a lot of confidence, as some people would realize, that uh, something big happened in the 60s yeah. and when, when our law enforcement agency started assassinating our political yeah. leaders. And things have not been quite right since. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you know, you talk about um, them not wanting Trump to be a candidate. Well, something else is happening when this poll came out. Something very interesting happened in the Democratic Party. Dr. Paul put up this next one. Now, this is David Axelrod. He is considered the architect behind the Obama victories. He said, only Joe Biden can make this decision. If he continues to run, he will be the nominee of the Democratic Party. What he needs to decide is whether this is wise, whether it's in his best interest or the country's. That is a very strong, delicately worded, but very specific way of saying, listen, guy, you need to get out. And if you need someone who's a little less nuanced, we'll go to the next one. Here's Bill Kristol, who tweeted after this came out. He said, it's time. President Biden has served our country well. I'm confident he'll do so for the next year. But it's time for him to act for an act of personal sacrifice and public spirit. <laughs> it's time to pass the torch to the next generation. It's time for Biden to announce he won't run in 2024. These are very dramatic comments from people who are big Biden supporters. The, you know, the question I've had and I've mentioned to you is uh, who really pulls the strings? Yeah. Because the president and the vice president, I don't think anybody in this country believe they really know what's going on or that they have an influence and they command respect on the international stage. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. But somebody's pulling it and it looks like there's pretty strong evidence that uh, Obama didn't retire. Yeah, now, He really must have a lot of influence. 
and uh, that uh, that that explains it a little bit. But it it doesn't it doesn't satisfy the people who say yes. But Trump, nobody could be for Trump. Yeah. A Democrat being for Trump, you know, uh, I imagine uh, they, they might be shocked when he, when he wins. Yeah. Uh, well, they're, they are doing everything to, to get him off the ground. All this whole lawfare thing. But do this next one because this is related because we talked about this earlier trying to keep him off the ballot. I mean, if you can do this next one, this is from Roger Stone. We both like. He's a very colorful character. This is from his blog. He says the, un the organized and unyielding effort to keep Trump off the 2024 ballot, an in-depth analysis of the Chicago trial, uh, Colorado trial, and I'm not going to read much of it, but uh, if you go to the next one, he just points out that they are trying in Colorado to tie Trump to January 6th and then declare him in able, unable under the 14th Amendment to appear on the ballot because he's an insurrectionist. Well, uh, uh, our, our, our friend Roger Stone digs a little deeper and go to the next one. Who's behind this? Well, this is what he points out. This and other organized attack on our former president are paid for by George Soros's web of charities, along with the Citizens for Ethics crew, which is a 501c3 involved in political witch hunts. The group even boasted about it on X, formerly Twitter. They said, we just sued to enforce the 14th Amendment and keep Donald Trump off the ballot in Colorado. So that's what's happening. And at the end of the day, that's going to be their that's a big nuclear deal. option, I yeah, think. And that'll just give more support for Trump. Yeah, yeah. I think you're Who right. heard of in America that they, that they put, take your enemy and you charge him with silly crimes that they can't prove subjectively? Oh, in, well, but he's an insurrectionist, isn't yeah. he? Was he tried for that? Oh, we, Not even we, charged, yeah. Oh, we forgot to charge him, so we couldn't try him. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's really crazy. But there was one incident that uh, I wasn't too proud of uh, with uh, with our government, our party, and, and Trump. But nobody said anything. Essentially, the, the his opposition didn't call attention to it, and the Republicans didn't seem to care. And that was the assassination of Soleimani. Yeah. And uh, if you talk about diplomacy and all, uh, but. But it, it went by, yeah. and uh, that to, that to me is is really sad, because that's that's how you take uh, you, you know borderline friendships with some countries. You might as well destroy it. Yeah. Look at how, how often we we do some things and we sort of get along with somebody. Then we turn around and say, "Oh yeah, they did this. We have to put on sanctions and, and not let them freeze their assets and yeah. all that kind of stuff." Just looking for trouble. But we're hamstrung because if we do too much of that, then we don't love America. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> maybe the people who care about uh, justice and, and the Constitution, uh, maybe there's a love of America there they don't have any understanding yeah. of. Yeah. Well, here's some people that I think don't love America, and probably for good reason. And this, I think, this image is iconic. If you can put this next one up. This is our Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, over the weekend going in a secret trip to Baghdad. He was over there already. He takes a secret, he lands in Baghdad, and here he is in the cover of night with a bulletproof vest on. And this commentator who, who posted it, it's been posted everywhere, but he makes a good point. Trillions of dollars in Iraq, two decades of war, thousands of American lives lost, thousands more injured, and this is how Secretary Blinken has to arrive in Baghdad home of the largest U.S. embassy in the world. And you've commented 
on that embassy. Here he's going, largest embassy. Remember, we were told they were going to greet us as liberators. Does that look to you, Dr. Paul, like he's being greeted as a liberator? It's amazing. You know, it, nothing has stopped our, our protection of our empire. You know, when, when you look at what's going on in, in, in Syria and Iraq, and the various countries over there, they, they, what you're just talking about is, yeah, we really didn't have a victory in Iraq. We don't, we don't own Iraq. We don't, we don't, we're not uh, even good at have maintaining an empire because it's, it's so wrong for us. But uh, been, we've been continuing to bomb. You know, look how much involvement we've had in Ukraine, but Syria too. Oh yeah. But but we own a third of Syria, and we have to protect our oil and all this stuff. That that's uh, unfortunately doesn't get much discussion in the, the debates. Maybe somebody will try to bring it up, but that's that's not in in the cards most likely on what's going on there. I just think that photo is. U.S. foreign policy yeah. in one photo. That's the answer. That's, that's we, the result. Exactly. They, the neocons, we're going to go liberate everyone. They're going to love us. We're going to make the world so great. And then when everything turns to garbage, as it inevitably does, you got to sneak in there with a bulletproof vest on because you're hated so much. And why should we be surprised? We blew up their country. You know, what, killed a million of their citizens. What if you and I sat here and started saying, what was the list of, of costs? that happened under George Bush and Iraq and Afghanistan, all those. I mean, uh, when we look at the literal cost of the money, how about the cost of military personnel that we lost? What about the inflation that it has caused because we have to monetize the debt? Mm -hmm. On and on, you could build a big, pretty list and, then, and, and you can nail it right down to one thing. Look, that's what the result is. That's the result. Three cheers for a democracy. It's <laughs> going well. The, the, the majority of the people too often go along with this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but our job is to help wake people up, and uh, I keep looking for the one, and a few people did wake up over COVID, and uh, we need a lot more of that. <laughs> yeah, waking up over foreign policy would be good. Yeah. But so Blinken went over there. Now, he's first he stopped over with Netanyahu because Biden is getting shellacked in the polls over his handling of uh, Israel-Gaza thing. Uh, his own party is furious. There are breaks in the Democratic Party that we have not seen. Massive protests, 100,000 people in Washington, D.C. over the weekend protesting. And a lot of these people, I think, are Democrat voters. So he goes over to Netanyahu and says, hey, Bibi, I, I need a favor, man. I need you just to pause for a while. My boss is getting creamed over here. I need a little bit of help. Put on this next clip because this would be like if a picture, picture tells a thousand stories. Here, look at him. Look at the look on Blinken's face and look at Bibi. He's like, come on, Bibi. Can you just, can you just stop, pause for a second? We got that 14 billion coming, man. It's going to be great. Can you pause and then go to the next one? Bibi says, nah. <laughs> he says, right after Blinken left, Israel will keep bombarding Gaza with all of its power. Netanyahu says after blinking calls for a pause. And can you imagine, Dr. Paul, you were going there with $14 billion in your pocket you're going to give a guy, and you ask him for a little favor, and the guy says, take a hike, go pound sand. You know, you, you know where, where they are now is a total lack of realism. You know, uh, you, you know, it's almost like the lack of realism and understanding how our president and our vice president should give us some assurances that they're dealing with protecting our freedoms. You know, everybody's concerned about. It. But when you look at that, uh, Netanyahu, uh, 
you, you know, he's not very popular over there. No, 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 no. They say, no, we're not going to get rid of him until we win the war. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So they're, 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 not, they're not realistic. And I think that's what uh, the enemies of, uh, of Trump are. They're, yeah. they're not realistic. They don't, because it's different. They have somebody standing up to them. And as awkward as it may seem and be, uh, they're just not used to that. People, they're too bipartisan and they too work together. And all the money comes together. You know, if, oh, you can't vote against money for the military, <laughs> even if it's going to start World War III. No, you, you have to do it. So uh, that's what they need. They need true resistance. And I think, uh, I think that resistance that uh, Trump provides is a benefit to him and that's how he overcomes all the negative things but i think it also is a reflection of the american people just don't believe what our government tells us and that's healthy yeah well you can imagine a blink in the anyone else who's a diplomat or whatever imagine if kissinger was sitting there for for all of his faults he would be sitting there saying oh yeah you're not going to do us any favor guess what you're not going to get the money (laughs) take a hike what is your problem but so not even, that's not even it. To add insult to injury, Blinken comes over there, hat in hand, please, please stop bombing. Netanyahu says, no, forget you. And what does he do the very next day, put on that next clip? He bombs a convoy of ambulances in sure. Gaza. Put on this clip, you can see the bodies under the, don't look too clear, closely, but this is a tweet by the Doctors Without Borders, you know, that's the International Humanitarian Group. And they said, uh, this is Dr. Obeid. He's a, a Medicine Sans Frontier doctor at the Al Shifa Hospital. He says, We're standing inside the hospital gate when the ambulance was directly hit in front of us. There were bloody bodies everywhere. Many were killed immediately while we rushed others to the operating room for emergency care. These are doctors who volunteer in war zones to help people. Their ambulances were bombed. Put on the next one. This is uh, the same thread from uh, Doctors Without Borders. The deadly attack outside the gate of the Al-Shifa hospital impacting an ambulance is horrendous. This is a lethal attack outside Gaza's main and busiest hospital, where our staff work daily to provide life-saving medical care. He says, we have repeatedly called for an immediate total ceasefire for the protection of healthcare facilities, as well as medics, patients, and people. This is a new low in an endless stream of unconscionable violence, he continues. The repeated strikes on hospitals, ambulances, densely populated areas, and refugee camps are disgraceful. How many people have to die before war leaders wake up and call for a ceasefire? Now, these are humanitarians. These aren't politicians. These are doctors in the business of saving lives. And they, you can just tell the frustration, the horror in his voice. Oh, I know. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the news gets to us, but it's in bits and pieces, and there's propaganda involved, and they say, they'll, they'll pass over and just say, oh, well, they have a right to defend themselves, yeah. calling that national defense. But, uh, you know, uh, they, they don't talk about, they say, well, just think of what those Palestinians just did. Yeah. But why don't they just think of 
why did they do it? Why did they think they were defending themselves? And, uh, and there's an argument for that too. And there's an argument that says that both sides have a lot of, a lot of responsibility for that, yeah. but it's pretty bad when it gets this far off and they just uh, won't even consider it, you yeah. know, and say, you're a monster if you won't stop the killing. Yeah. And uh, we will, and you know, the number of children, it's almost like, like, uh, uh, you, you know, they targeted children, yeah. or they didn't avoid them anyway. No. It wasn't just a hundred. It's like four thousand, I think, yeah. so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, and their their response was, well, we thought there was a Hamas guy in there, you know. So you, you kill a hundred people. Uh, Professor Norman Finkelstein was on uh, with um, was on a show recently where he he pointed out the the laws of war, and one of them is proportionality. You have to it has to be justified. Yeah, you can. Like you said with Soleimani, you could take them out, but if we had dropped a nuclear weapon and blew up the whole city, well, we thought Soleimani was there, you know. So anyway, it's, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. Uh, and Biden is not is not handling it well and not doing well. Well, I guess we move on. Yeah, and you know, we, in the midst of all this, and the politicians aren't doing all that well, they still do things uh, in a stealthy way of... Uh, they want more money. <laughs> well, you know, uh, these are the, you know, some of the members of Congress, but it's a sneaky way of, of doing it. And uh, their complaint is that some of them aren't wealthy enough to take care of themselves with two homes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, what, uh, what, what is, why, why don't you have a different way of doing this? And my, my way of doing it would be to, uh, if, if there's an inflation, um, they, they ought to have a reduction in their pay, not, yeah. not compensated yeah. for it, you know, but what we do is they, they want to just be part of the game. So what happened there was, uh, you know, Congress sneaks in, stealth 34,000 when the Congress was changing over. And as a matter of fact, we're just hearing about it yeah, now. now. There was a, guess what? It was bipartisan, though, yeah. so it's okay. Democracy reigned. <laughs> oh, we got up to 51% to be silent on this. Congress sneaks in, stealth, $34,000 pay rate. Gates, AOC. That's two spectrums, isn't it? <laughs> Among more than 200 lawmakers uh, to benefit. Uh -huh. I don't know all the details, and yeah. maybe people have explanations, but money was spent and money was given away trying to take care of their needs that government caused. Yeah. Government causes, and this is just more cover-up, but yes, if they have a problem, uh, they maybe, you, you know, they absolutely should do it over. This is why you, know, you as, as you recall, I used to work hard with us, some Democrats yeah. to, to make sure that they could not have a pay raise without voting on it. Yeah. They, they purposely did it. They hid the pay raise in the bills. And there were others. Uh, and uh, I think we generally won those uh, yeah. events because people, when they were forced to vote on it, yeah. they were too, too embarrassed. They do this kind of stuff. Yeah. 34,000. Not much these days, but, <laughs> but it's the principle of it. Now, I love your proposal. If, if Wait, hold on. If inflation goes up, you guys get a reduction because you're responsible <laughs> for it. You crazy. did it. <laughs> uh, That's a great one. Well, I'm going to close out, I think, if you're ready, Dr. Paul. Okay. And um, just to put that last photo up, last couple of weeks left, we're going to close out in November with the book offer. This is Dr. Paul reading his new book. I was just talking to someone about it the other day. I just got an email from our friend Tim McGraw out in California saying that he just finished reading it and he loved the book. Uh, we're offering it to our supporters as we finish up our fall fundraiser. 
help us keep the Ron Paul Institute, Ron Paul Liberal Report, the conferences, these scholar seminars alive by supporting the Institute with a thank you of a book in return. I will put details, a link to details, and how you can get your free copy of Dr. Paul's fantastic new book, The Great Surreptitious Coup. And over to you, Dr. Very Paul. Very good. And once again, I want to let our viewers know how much we appreciate them tuning in to our program. And hopefully they'll think it's good enough to recommend it for other people because we depend on word of mouth in a major way. We believe ideas do spread and they can't be stopped. So even on our frustrating days when not much is happening or we're not getting our message out like we wished we could, uh, it, it, it still gets out there. I still think that uh, in spite of the shortcomings of the internet, the internet is beneficial to us and people are getting more skeptical and there are more people waking up for certain things. When things get real bad, the people will react. And even though I don't believe in pure democracy, I do believe in prevailing opinions and prevailing attitudes. So if the prevailing attitude of a society is that uh, we believe in the 10 amendments to the Constitution, at least and that's what we're gonna talk about, you know, it would happen. But uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of mischief to overcome, and most of it comes and has come from our universities the, and the control of the media, and uh, it's very difficult. But I still do believe that ideas have consequences, and, uh, and I, with many others who agree with that, we do our very best to sort things out, not pretending that we know all the answers and how, how it's going to work, but I sort of find it fascinating to think, well, if, if you're against all of this welfareism and government takeover, how are the poor going to, how are the poor going to survive? Won't they all starve to death? Well, they're all starving to death now and they're sleeping in San Francisco streets that have become sewers and you want to know. And all we could do is show you a lot of places in the world over the last hundred years or 200 years where when freedom was respected, prosperity was greater and there was more peace. There's nothing to, nothing to confront that argument that should silence us because I think the message is so powerful. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.